You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan 112. Hey everyone, welcome to uh, Tech Fan number 112. I'm Tim Robertson. I'm David Cohen. Ugh, and I'm not sick this week, thankfully. I not good. It's not Is good that, that I'm not sick? You no, know, it's not good that you were sick. It's that time <laughs> of year, though. Uh, you know, I, I think, th- for me, there isn't a time of the year anymore. My sinuses are screwed up year-round nowadays. Yeah, but, you know, something about the winter. I don't, I've never, maybe it's because we spend more time indoors and close to people, but the winter seems to spread the bugs. If the zombie apocalypse ever happens, it will probably start in February. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. <laughs> you know, stock up in the ammunition and baseball bats in <clears throat> sure. So, yeah, I'm still uh, congested and... My eyes will start watering for no reason. and It's not good, but what are you going to do, right? Exactly. One of the things that I did do, um, oh, good two weeks ago now, was get a Nintendo Wii U. Do you remember what I said to you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I said, when so Tim, Tim text, uh, sent me a, a message with a picture of this, and I said, I thought I was the one who didn't have a spine at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because you are weak, man. I'm a weak man. Thankfully, I didn't have to pay for it. So, uh, well, that kind of makes a difference. And I yeah, did get the deluxe it. bundle. The 32 gig comes with a game. Yeah. Um, honestly, though, I, I haven't played it a whole lot. the The entire first day was basically me transferring everything from my Wii to the Wii U. And well, I, I thought that, that took a day. Uh, it took me a day. It'd only take a normal person a couple hours. But even a couple of hours, how? Surely you would just you would assume you'd just be able to plug a USB into the old one, then plug it to the new one. And nope, that's not how it works. <laughs> what you do is you have to have um, uh, a card. Uh, what do you call it? A uh, micro USB card. Right. And it has to have. Oh. We're going to have to take a, a pause because my dogs are left outside and they're going to bark right outside my window. Okay. So let's take a quick, a very, very early break. Yeah, I'll let the dogs in so they're nice and quiet. And we'll come back and talk about the Wii U. Hello, Mark. How are you today? I am doing well. Everyone listen to Not Another Mac Podcast because it is fun. Haha. And we are back. The dogs are now... Li- I have a half door between the kitchen and the rest of the house, so... They could actually, yep. these are pretty big dogs. They could get past that door if they really wanted to, but they're pretty well behaved. Oh, good. And, uh, yeah, if I would have left them outside, they would have just stood by the gate in, in the, uh, by the driveway, which is right next to the window in my office, and bark. <laughs> and, uh, they know when they bark, we let them in. I don't let the dogs just sit out there and bark the whole time. I think that's rude. Yeah. yeah. And everybody's had, you know, neighbors that's done stuff like that. Indeed. So back to the Wii U. Um, you have to have a uh, a flash card, you know, the little SD. Right. Yeah. 
you first launch your Wii U, you download, you, you launch the, uh, the, the Wii inside the Wii U. So you have to have a Wii wand thing. Launch that, you download the Wii U transfer tool. You run it on the Wii U. Then you put that card in the Wii, download the same application on the Wii, and run it there. And then you put the card back in the Wii U, and it tra- and it just downloads all your games. It doesn't actually transfer a whole lot. It's it does some of your saved data and stuff like that. Right. But anything that you download, it doesn't actually download to the card. It re-downloads it on the Wii U. So effectively, my Wii cannot play any of those games anymore because I've transferred them to the Wii U. What I was hoping it would do is allow me to play those games, uh, especially the the classic, you know, the the vintage games that you could download on the Wii. I was yeah. hoping that I could play those using the new controller. You know, the little yeah. gamepad thing. Yeah. No, it doesn't. It's exactly a, a, a Wii built inside the Wii U. Right, but I, I'm just trying to get my head around this concept. So I have a game on a disc that I play on my Wii. If I want to get the saved data to the Wii U to play it there, that means I can't play that same game anymore on the Wii. Is that right? I don't know if you can play that game. I think you can still play that game on the Wii, but you, what you can do is any of your online purchases. Right. You can't okay. play those on the Wii anymore. For obvious reasons. So if you bought the, the Wii U and then you sold your Wii, you can't just sell, sell that Wii to somebody else and they can play all your games that well, you've already purchased. Well, yeah, hang on a minute. Let's just one You say for obvious reasons. If you're logged in with your account, which you paid for under those purchases, why should you not be able to play them on any device? Because they Is restrict it, you to one device. Oh, and you well, that's, underst- it, that's understood when you sign up for it. It says it right on the screen. <laughs> And if you don't want to do it, then don't buy the system. Uh, I agree. I think that you should have it on multiple machines. I like the Apple's way that you can have up to five devices, five computers, well, I should say. But yeah. there really shouldn't be. It's an. It's arbitrary. I mean, ah, you can do it on five machines. Ah, you can only do it on one. Because their assumption is obviously that you will buy a Wii U, you'll sell your Wii. Um, I would imagine an awful lot of people won't do that. Why would you do that? If you buy a new system, you're going to keep the old one around for the kids. Maybe. But I see a lot of used video game consoles for sale on eBay. I see a lot of them on Facebook. And if I could load it up with a whole bunch of stuff that I paid for well, that well, I still no, get point- to use on my Wii U, I'm going to get more money for my old console uh, with yeah, those well, games the, on the, it. Yeah, the thing is, is that I would imagine... I wouldn't imagine... I would never sell a device still logged into my paid-for account. You know, I'd wipe that data off it before I sold it. I, so I, I'd, if, I'd, what I I'd really don't get is if you sign in with your account, I don't understand why you shouldn't be able to use it on multiple devices. But on the Wii, and to have you, a whole multi, multi-program process to actually move that authorization from one system to another is also ridiculous. Right, but it, it there's not really an account. I think that's where you're... It's not like the the PS3 or the Xbox. You don't have an account that you sign into. Right. You're just on that machine. There is no account. I see. And so when you go to, you know, the virtual console and you buy something, you have to enter a credit card every time. 
Ah. So it's tying it to that machine, not to you. So that's why when you do the transfer, it takes it from that account, that user, that machine, and it's putting it on another machine. Hmm. It's convoluted and quite honestly dumb. Yes. Well, that would agree. Um, and and honestly, I'm really disappointed in that none of the new peripherals work with the old stuff under the Wii. So you launch the Wii on the Wii U, and then those are your virtual console games and any Wii games that you want to play. But your controller, the gamepad, effectively turns itself off at that point. It's like, well, you can't use me. And I I don't get it. I don't understand why they didn't build that functionality. And especially for these old uh, console games that you could download on there. Yeah. Why can't I play those on the console gamepad? So if I, again, going, I I mean, I'm not, as you can probably tell with the fact I'm not familiar with it, I'm not a big virtual game user on on the Wii. Uh, We we play the games that you buy on the discs. Mm -hmm. So... Does the Wii U come with a uh, one-style controller as well as that great big tablet thing? No. No. So if you want to play, I don't know, say Super Mario Galaxy from the original Wii system on the Wii U, I put that disc in my Wii U, I need to then have a have an extra controller that doesn't come with the system in order to be able to play that, or would something like Super Mario Galaxy play through the tablet? No, nothing plays through the tablet, because the right. Wii itself doesn't support the tablet. Okay, so I then need to. So if I do decide to sell my Wii, you better which keep I, a controller. I, I can't have to do if I've got any virtual data that I've moved over. I've got to go out and buy another old Wii controller to be able to play my games on the Wii U. Correct. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I'm pretty flawed at this point. Yep. Okay. I think so- I think the the rationale there is Nintendo sold so many Wii's, and most people bought at least two controllers. That you're gonna have a controller laying around that you haven't used in three years, which is probably pretty accurate when it comes to the Nintendo Wii. I oh, mean, again? most of them were put on a shelf. Everyone played bowling yeah, for three I- months, and then it wasn't touched again. I, well, I I guess I don't I don't know how many we've got. I don't think we've got... We might have three. Um, but uh, I, I just... I, I, I don't understand building in backward compatibility in software without building into the hardware. I really don't. I don't either. <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, they could have done something really cool. It could have been, hey, you know those virtual games you bought on the Wii? You could play those on your gamepad on your Wii U. Well, even, if, even if you couldn't do that, at least make the buttons that work on the new flipping controller drive the old game. I mean, how hard is that? It shouldn't have been difficult at all because the Wii U um, gamepad thing has all the same functionalities yeah. as the wand. You it, you can point, look around, and I, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you want to play bowling with the controller, the big controller No, pad. But, but I mean, that's not the... <clears throat> obviously, any of the physical games, yes, you want to see something that... You know, it's normally is a stick shape, like mm-hmm. you know, baseball or something like that, and try and do that with the tablet. But a hell of a lot of games on the Wii didn't really make any use of that uh, kind of motion. Nope. Uh, and the Super Mario Galaxy is a very good example. It doesn't really do any of that. You you got right, you can point stuff on the screen. That's about it. 
Uh, you had to do that little twirling motion with it uh, to make them spin. There was a few things that you had to do with the Wii controller on, on Galaxy. But that's right. why I didn't like Galaxy. It's like, can I use just a regular controller to play it? That's what yeah. I want to do. But no, that option wasn't there. It was a game that you had to use the stupid Wii nunchuck controller thing. I hated it. Okay. And remember, you All had right. to plug that, that little nunchuck into oh, the... That's right, yeah. Yeah, so it was a two-handed game. I, I hated it because of that. I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to use a classic-style controller and play a really good Mario game. But no, it's not in the cards. So what are the new games like? Uh, well, it came with one that's kind of... I don't know what the hell it is. My kids have played it a whole bunch. They seem to like it. Uh, I, on the other hand, I haven't played it hardly at all. Uh, I have the one game I really do want to play, and I've gone out and bought was Lego City Undercover. Now, if you watch some of the trailers and the gameplay action, yeah, it's kind of a Lego GTA game. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I thought it was. Yeah, and it looks fabulous. I can't wait to play it, and my kids can't wait to play it. So I bought it last week, well, just this last week, during the week. And my wife said, ooh, hide that. And I said, why do I want to hide this? <laughs> well, we'll give it to the kids for Easter. Oh, great. So I go out and buy this, and now I have to wait until frickin' Easter to play it. <laughs> oh, she's so mean to me, David. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I'd probably be playing the crap out of that game, to be honest. Because yeah. it, lo- it just looks fun. But... um I've learned an important lesson with Cole now, five years old. He's really good at these Lego games and some other video games. He's really bad at starting them up. And it's a huge flaw on all the game consoles. This in particular is the PS3. In that the interface when you start it is very kludgy. Yeah. He has erased saved game data on a number of games now. Because he's overwritten the previous saves. Because it doesn't just automatically start where you left off the last time you played, which is how it should behave. Mm -hmm. It gives you the option of starting a new game. That's the first option. And, of course, he's just pushing buttons. He's five years old. He can't read yet. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we spent hours on this game unlocking all these little things so he could play it on free play. And now we got to go through all that crap again. And it's not his fault. It's frustrating. You want to strangle him. Don't get me wrong, but it's not his fault. I, I mean, I think that's uh, you know, general a general criticism of an awful lot of consumer electronics is that um, the kind of the interfaces to do stuff are uh, an afterthought. I mean, the, I've, I've always thought the Wii is terrible. You know, you you if you put a disc in and turn it on, you know, the natural expectation is for it to fire up the disc and bring up the game, and instead you get this stupid home screen yep. with all these things floating there and you have to point at the at the game that's in the top left corner. You can't even just hit the button. No, you have to point at it to get it to go. Yep. Um, and sometimes it's laggy so that if you just change the disc or something like that, it won't show the game that you've just put in there and you're thinking, what the hell's going on? The Xbox is no better. Um, the Xbox does the same thing, yep. which is when you turn it on, it immediately comes up with a home screen full of stuff you don't want. And the PS3 is the same. And and it's and and, and even even games on on um, iOS devices. My son said to me several times, "Oh, I don't know what's happened. Uh, I was playing this game, and all of a sudden, all my all my he, he said to me yesterday, he's been playing Battleship, the uh, the the board game mm-hmm. 
on on his iPad. And he loves it because you know it has all the all the the rendering of all the weapons and all of that. So it's a bit more interactive. But it has all these special weapons you can special games modes you can basically win by. Um, by beating the computer and he's built up all these special things like you know airstrikes and nuclear bombs and all this sort of thing and he loves using all that stuff and he said to me he said i i don't understand what i've done but they're all gone and i've got to start again wow and and my only option to recover them would be to wipe the entire ipad and restore it from his last icloud backup yeah and i'm not going to do that no You know, that's like a, a three-hour process to get his, his saves back. But it's because the interface in the game is obviously constructed some way he's accidentally wiped it. Yeah, and, you know? and if it's not clear, it, they just don't put enough thought into who is really using these devices. And they're all guilty. Apple's guilty of it. Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo. They're all guilty of it. Yeah. It's like, make it intuitive. I mean, how many times have you stood in front of your Wii with that little controller waving it around going, so where the hell is my cursor? (laughs) You're going up and down, you're going left and right, you can't find your damn cursor. I don't know. And the kid's looking at you like you're dumb, like, what? Just start the game. I can't find the stupid little cursor thing. Oh, there it is. How many times have you done that? Every parent that has a Wii has done it at least a dozen times. Well, I mean, it's more general than that. I think pretty much everybody listening to this podcast can recognize the thing where you're sat there, you want to either watch something or play something, and somebody, family member, girlfriend, wife, whatever, is saying, okay, well, can we just do it? And you're going, okay, yeah, I'll, let me just set it up. It'll only take me a couple of minutes tops. <laughs> yeah. Ten minutes later, they're sat and they're going, uh, what's going on? Why is it? And you're going, well, it needs to update this, or it needs to... I, I, it was working a minute ago, I, or I can't see iTunes over the network, and, you know, and you're just thinking... Yeah, this is too hard. Yeah, it is. You know, things are supposed to be getting easier, David. I thought that was the whole point in all this yeah. new technology. It's supposed to be easier for anybody to use. Even the techno fear people, whatever. Everyone could use this. No, you can't. It's it's difficult. It's confusing. It's not intuitive at all. And I think forget faster hardware. Forget better graphics. Just make it easier to use. That's what we need. That's what I want. You know, too many yep. too many things now are are made for uh, the geeks. Yeah, I, I just got a um, I just bought a second hand car the other day. And replaced one of the cars. The car we well we're replacing the car we crashed, but I, I also traded up my little car for something a bit bigger. Having gone through a rollover accident, funnily enough, a uh, city car doesn't feel very good to me anymore. No, I can imagine. <laughs> so I've gone for a big family car makes your back ache yeah yeah it's gone for about i've gone for this mazda 6 and it has it's a top end version about five years old but it has loads of gear on it It has bluetooth for the phone on which is great for me because i take a lot of calls in the car to program the phone to talk to the car could only be done via voice oh wow (laughs) right so it was a 20 minute process to pair the phone to the car because you had to it was it was like being on hold to the bank you know when they have those voice recognition systems yep and they said read out your account number and you read it out and then it completely garbles it this was exactly the same you press a button and it says oh i think you want to pair your phone please state a four digit code so i go one 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 and it goes I thought you said 2872. Is that correct? <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And you just think, all this needs is a pairing button. Yep. 
know, make it another button that you can talk to it and tell it to put it in pairing mode and then press the button. But it doesn't need to be 20 minutes. The funny thing is those systems, the call center. Um, yeah. Voice recognition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some very sophisticated software out there. Most companies don't use it. Now, when I worked in a call center, I, I managed, uh, I don't want to get into it, but the system was intelligent enough that if it detected uh, frustration or loudness, it would put that call right at the top of the queue every single time. So if you wanted to get in and you're like 10 calls behind, if you just sat there going, the system would detect that and go, oh, this person's angry. I'm going to put him in number one spot. He's next. You know what? I'm going to just... Um, next time I get one of those, I'm going to try that just to see whether it you, works. You should try that because it, it, if they're using the better software yeah, that recognizes right. anger or frustration, <laughs> it puts you at the top of the list. It goes, this, this is, person's uh, mad. Let's yeah. get him handled right away. Right, yeah, this is the energy company. How can we help today? Pay my bill! <laughs> <laughs> Hello, sir. <laughs> Hi, Mr. Cohen. Yeah. My name is Ronnie. I'll be helping you today. How may I assist you? Yeah. yeah. It's it's uh, it's actually quite a clever system. Now, this was for the Department of Defense. Um, so maybe they had more money to spend than, you know, a Microsoft or a local bank. Or maybe they just have the view that anybody calling them to the Department of Defense probably has weaponry. Yeah, well, there is <laughs> that. Could roll up to the office armed for bear, you know. <laughs> There's been a, you know, I, I, I follow news from all over, obviously. I go I go to a lot of different websites. Not just tech, not just games, but news news. And uh, I don't know, it seems to me like we're on the the verge of something bad. I've been getting yep. this, this nasty vibe that's been going on uh, recently online. All these different websites. And it's this, this I don't know. Korea has really got me kind of worried right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, but North Korea is a very special kind of crazy. They are. And <laughs> I was hoping that, you know, a new young leader, maybe he's going to bring some reforms. He seems to be crazier than his father was. <laughs> it's like... It's- it's like you know you've seen that movie Team America where they they yeah. really spooked the guy out of his father, and it's just like bring him back. He we could deal with him. Right. He's a guy we could do business with. This guy is, you know, yeah, it's very very strange. But I agree with you. It's it's worrying. You know, it is, and um, maybe it's just because we have so much access to information nowadays that the technologies that we're using is almost instantaneous. We know exactly what's going on, major events, anywhere in the world at any one time. And it it seems like we're kind of wasting this technology in a lot of respects. That we do have this instant access to information. And, you know, we're we're watching Harlem Shuffles on Facebook with it. Instead (laughs) of, you know, following what the hell is going on in the world. Yeah, occasionally you'll see kind of a cartoon in the newspaper or on the web or something where they speculate that um you know humanity's wiped out overnight and then 2000 years later aliens alien archaeologists come and start digging up what's left yeah and they you know the first thing they do is get is get rickrolled you know yeah right 
and uh, and it gives them a completely distorted view of what our culture was was really like because they they view it they you know they say well this these these we found so much of uh, so much of this video in in these in these ancient systems it must have been really important to these people <laughs> perhaps uh, perhaps this man was you know was an important leader or perhaps a religious figure <laughs> you know. That's funny. That's right. Yeah, but they'll think in the future that we worship the lolcats. Like one of the the nice thing is, it really does though. If you spend time reading stuff other than your basic interests, um, and and it's kind of a chore. Granted, you go to websites that don't have entertainment and actually read opinions and learn things that you didn't know before. For instance, I learned this week that in the United States, in 29 states, it's still legal to fire someone over their sexual orientation, i.e., oh, you're gay, you're fired. Mm. And that really bothered me. And I wouldn't have known that if it wasn't for the Internet. I wouldn't have learned that. And uh, it's one of those things, and I, I posted the link to it on my Facebook page, and I said... New rule for America. We can no longer say home of the free until we actually are. Um, because that kind of thing really bothers me. Well, the, yeah, and the counterpoint to that is that the people who promote those laws would say that that's, that's a, a freedom that they, re- they want to be able to be the, – the freedom to be a bigot, I guess. Um, right, I think that's always – that's, that's, that's not freedom. The dub- no, I mean that's the double-edged. The, the real problem with stuff like that is that actually it's not democratic, right? Because I think we all recognise that in uh, you know in the Western world, those sorts of opinions are minority opinions, right? Um, you know, they are not the common the common view, and and you know certain, certainly, I mean, American politics has been suffering from this. I think British politics is starting to suffer from this now, where the politicians are driving their own agendas and actually aren't respecting the uh, mandated opinion of the people who vote for them. It's always been that way. The difference now, David, is that we have the technology to learn about these laws that are passed in, you know, closed sessions that didn't get a lot of media coverage. Now we have the technology, the communications, infrastructure worldwide to learn about these things and to start taking appropriate action. My fear is the apathy that the average citizen of the world has on how their countries are being run. They're like, I, ah, I think, it doesn't yeah. affect me directly. I don't really care. Well, I think one of the problems is we have the we have information technology. We can find out about these things very easily. But in terms of changing them, it's still quite difficult. You, the only way to um, the for instance, let's let's use use my own example here, right? If I wanted to. <clears throat> change the uh to ref- have my opinion reflected by within the parliament here about any particular issue i could write to my local member of parliament but he's a labor politician he's not in the ruling party um and he and the way that the boundaries are organized in this country is that he it will always be a labor politician in my area because this is an area that predominantly always votes labor so i can then write to the ruling party the current conservative party um and express my opinion but i'm not a voting constituent in an air in an area where they're gonna my, my support means as much so that gives my voice less less weight mm-hmm. 
um, you know, if I was if I was in the constituency, but I think of a, you're thinking you're 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 taking you're taking that's too narrow, though, David. Think about it this way. Let's let's stay with the situation that that I described earlier. That gays can be fired in 29 states. I'm not even sure all the states that that's legal in, and it could be here in Michigan as well. I don't know. But let's say I want to see that law changed in my state. I could go the route that you just said, and I'm probably not going to get anything done, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what if I use the technology that we have nowadays? What if I find a bunch of like-minded people like myself on Facebook and Twitter, and I start organizing these people, and let's say I get a couple hundred people, right? Yep. So we all communicate via instant message, uh, Facebook, Twitter, however, we all go to the, a mall at the same time, a couple hundred of us, and we just sit in front of, in the middle of the, the mall, we all just sit down and have a quiet protest for five hours. We all just sit right in the middle of the mall. Think that's going to get any media coverage? Uh, I don't think it would change anything. I think I think the not, problem not is, the one time no, but you no. continuously do that. You get the attention of the media, yeah. But and the news had, media had, starts covering, it, and then more had, people start learning about we've it. We've had the Occupy movement, and that's changed nothing. And that was but they much, didn't. Much but they, they, the, here's my problem with the Occupy movement: it didn't. It wasn't. It didn't represent anything. There was nothing to it. They weren't asking for anything. They were just pissed off. What was their agenda? What do they want changed? What were their suggestions? They didn't have any. They were like, just like, oh, yeah. this is bullshit, and rich people are rich, and pe- poor people are poor, and we're pissed off about it. Well, that's great, but give me some solutions. They didn't offer any solutions, David. That's the problem with the Occupy yeah. Wall Street. They but, didn't offer anything. They were unrealistic. What yeah, I'm see, suggesting I, yeah. is realistic. And this this did work. That's why we had, in the 50s and the 60s, uh, the Civil Rights Movement. Yeah, It worked. You know, One I, lady decided she's not going to change her seat on a bus. It worked. Word I spread. Your, yeah, I see your point, and I see your point about the Occupy movement. I think my concern is that is that anything that's organized through technology, like the internet, like Twitter and everything, is automatically marginalized in the in the in the you know in the the corridors of power. Yeah, a lot of most politicians don't understand how democratic that is. There's an assumption that anything negative that comes out of that is just cranks. Because let's face it, it's cranks have a louder voice on the internet than anybody else. Because yeah, but this more, is only more if you keep it on the internet. I mean, yeah. I'm talking about using it as a tool for actual social change. But it, and yeah, it but does even, work. It, I, even even then, I think I think it's it's a very very big uphill struggle to or, anything organized through the internet. I think people automatically um, demote it as important. And and it, I don't think it has the, the the impact that it should do. The fact that you can get, you know, a hundred, a thousand people together very easily on an issue, um, it it just it just because you can also get a thousand cranks together on an issue like you know nine eleven was a government setup or whatever it is. It it it's viewed as being marginalised. It's viewed as being not important or not relevant to the people who ultimately make these decisions and all you know the guys in congress all they want to do is they want to hear about constituents who call or write to them they're not interested in um 
protests and that sort of right. thing. And, and the media as well is also guilty of trivializing these you know if you were to have that sort of sit in they would find an angle on it that kind of made it hokey or trivial or something they wouldn't take it seriously because journalists always uh, nowadays don't want to get into deep issues they want a simple soundbite story and the simple soundbite story for a hundred people sat down in a mall is here's a hundred cranks sat in a mall ha, right. ha, ha. And, then, and then the next weekend you do it in front of the television studio's offices and then yeah. the week after that, you do it at City Hall. And the week after that, you go to another place and you do it there. It's not the one time that makes a difference, David. It's the continuous. Mm-hmm. And that's where the technology keeps people informed and updated and organized to allow you to do these things. Um, I do believe in the power of the communication tools that we have on the Internet. I think it's huge, but I think that most people are just... Like I said earlier, apathetic. It doesn't affect well, them can, directly, so they don't do anything. You can, I mean, a good model is what happened uh, with the Arab Springs. Sure. You know, the changes there. But even there, you look at what uh, Egypt was the big one. You look at what they've ended up with. <laughs> They're not that, really... That's because the entire country is very corrupt. Uh, but the but I, I think you think you think Western countries in, in the political people are any less corrupt, really? No, they come from the people, and the people themselves are corrupt. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, that's what gets me. A lot of people want to complain about their government. Oh, politicians, they're all this, they're all that. We, we need people who actually represent the people. They do represent you people. These are the people that you elected. They're just like you. There's no difference. <laughs> that's yeah. the problem. We're the problem. Not enough people yeah. who, who truly want to self-sacrifice are willing no, to give up a big paycheck to run for yeah. public office to really make a difference. I think I think the only solution is to move to North Korea. They have a much better political system there. Yeah, you got to wonder. It's very simple. <laughs> well, at the very least, you can make some cool videos and post them on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Stealing EA's content from video games. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's kind of sad. Let's take our last break, and Dave and I will be right back. So, guess. Sorry, I'm just boogieing out to that. You know, while that's playing, you know, I'm shaking it is my so head. Catchy. I'm shaking my ass. Ass? Mm. I'm shaking my ass. Ass. I'm shaking my ass. My ass. I'm sorry. Guys joke. Guys joke. Mostly clean. I do have a tip for you. It's a very, very quick one. That's why we've been going on about nothing. Oh, no change there. Um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm interrupting Can I do you this again. tip? I'll be, yes, I'll be quiet now. Daz's tips. Guys jokes. Only. Thank goodness. On the My Mac podcast. And back for the last segment of Tech Fan number 112. Best way to get a hold of us, if you'd like to send some feedback, go to our website, techfanpodcast.com. Click the Contact Us button, fill out the form, hit Submit, and it will come to us. Or you can simply send an email to me, Tim, at MyMac.com, or... Dave, uh, David. <laughs> Who am I? And where am Who I am again? I? <laughs> David Cohen at MyMac.com. And uh, we'll read your feedback here. Uh, David, you had a piece of feedback or two? I had a couple of bits of feedback. Um, I'll do the short one first. This was from Mark Dye. Um, he said... Uh, this was a response to the last show, which was the one I did solo, uh, where I kind of went off on one. 
on uh, on EA and SimCity. Yeah. And no, Mark, I enjoyed yeah, it. Mark said the second half of one of number one eleven was the best tech fan episode ever. Great information and insights. Well, thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it was, uh, and and of course that story has moved on because um, things aren't getting much better for um, EA. They're uh, offering free games. The CEO has resigned, and. Um, Pe- All because of your podcast. That's the, well, the power I have. Uh, and hackers have found out that it's relatively simple to turn off the link to the servers, and the game runs perfectly fine. Who'd have thought it? Hmm. And EA is still going, oh, that wasn't our vision. And it's like, yeah, because your vision was to make money, to keep people on the corporate teat. So, uh, yeah, that's really been a bit of a PR disaster for EA. I hope it changes um, the games industry somewhat, but we'll just have to see whether... Whether it I think it takes four or five colossal major fails like this yeah. to see any change. And really, we've had, what, one? Well, you could argue that maybe Diablo 3 was similar. There was didn't cause quite as much fuss, but they had similar problems. And Yeah, but it, it didn't cause an uproar. I mean, it did here on this show, but yeah. for the most part, people... No, this, this, yeah. this, this has been much, much more... Better. Yeah. Yeah much wider yeah uh, and then the second part second piece of feedback was also relating to um tech fan 111 and this was from uh, ibooker a chap called steve um he says i'm going to summarize this because it's quite a long comment it's, hello david thanks for the show don't have time for welcome host response let me say i've been buying upgrading repairing selling and maintaining i bought g3s and g4s for five years now as a hobby so that's obviously the last show i talked a lot about the i bought g3 i've been playing with and he says that he agrees that it's superior to netbook uh and um and definitely worth uh worth using um he advised using uh, installing perian V- VLC and Mac Tubes to solve the video issues that I was talking about um, and he says that Flash he thinks is the real real uh, killer of, of old old processors and that's why it is uh, yeah and I'd agree with that in fact I received an update, uh, update to Flash on my Mac Mini that I'm talking to you on now which is a very modern machine um, last week and it's kind of killed the performance of my machine the thing is slow and sluggish and it's all around the web browser it's definitely Flash causing the problem and I'm thinking of um, expunging it so uh, well I use Chrome and I've got Chrome set up not to activate Flash unless it asks me and then it will only do it for that website or the entire session i.e. While I'm using the browser, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it works well. Yeah, I had it like that. The reason I the reason I installed Flash actually is is because I was I was um, I use Reader and Pocket to actually read news groups, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of the things I read have videos in. And if you have Flash removed from the machine and only in Chrome, then you can't watch those videos in Reader or in Pocket. You have to load them into Chrome, which was a bit of a pain. So that's why I installed it. But I'm, I'm wishing I hadn't now. Because <laughs> um, I'm paying the. It's, cra- uh, it's crap software. It's terrible. It really is. And but unfortunately, I can't find a way of getting the these programs to actually use the HTML rendering that most of these videos have, so that you don't need Flash. They yeah. they will only render them in Flash inside the programs, which is a bit of a, a pest. That's so, lo- that's lazy programming. Yeah. So um, I don't know if anybody's got any idea. Maybe I'll try this um, Mac Tubes thing that um, that Steve suggested. See whether that works on a Intel Mac and can sort that problem out because he says that, that that but that basically will force QuickTime to fire up and render any any flash um video so uh, i'll have a look at that and see whether that that helps at all more on that next week cool yeah but i mentioned um 
in, you know, I use Reader for um, RSS feeds, and uh, there's been a bit of news about RSS feeds this week. Google Reader is going away. You know, the funny thing is they uh, they came in and pretty much destroyed RSS readers. There was a for a while there was a proliferation of uh, really good software that you had to pay for. Yeah. And Google Reader came out, and it was free, and it had better features. It would remember what you've read. It would remember where you were, uh, and it worked really well. Uh, and that's the thing, is that even on systems where you need to run a native client rather than the website, um, most of, most RSS readers now, and Reader is a good example, it's on iOS, it's on the Mac, they all use Google Reader as the back end because it, gives, the API it, it, it basically gives you free syncing and um, subscription management and what have you. Um, so the fact that Google's killing Reader now basically breaks all of that and everyone's going, what are we going to do now? Well, there's a lot of projects out there that uh, from independent companies and developers that are recreating the Google APIs. Yeah, the, and, the, uh, the difficulty is is that's an elephant-sized problem because there's so many people using Google Reader for that. And um, mm-hmm. obviously Google is very experienced at running big iron that can scale to the sort of numbers that we're talking about. Whereas, right, uh, I mean, small, because these readers that yeah. we have out there right now, um, it's, it's, it's using the back-end Google to display it, it's not crawling. These these clients aren't crawling all these websites themselves. No. They're using Google Reader. Yeah, Do, you don't really want uh, an RSS. Let's say you have fifty RSS feeds that you subscribe to on your iPad, right? Yeah, you, you're going to really launch that app and sit there and let the app crawl through. Let's say it takes two seconds for every single RSS feed that you're subscribed to to just two minutes. Just to come back with a 303, no yeah. updates, right? Yeah. Two seconds for 50 websites. Well, I have, That's 100 yeah, seconds. I, That's over. It's almost two minutes sitting I, there waiting for something to happen on your screen. I actually have an RSS reader on my BlackBerry playbook that works exactly like that, and it's like pulling mm-hmm. teeth. Because basically you fire it up, and then you've got to go away five minutes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you got to wait for it to crawl all these websites, yeah. and nobody wants that. And the problem is, is, that, is that you could design your own web server to do that um it's actually fairly fairly easy to write your write your own service to do that or to adapt an existing service and run it yourself but the problem is is then your clients aren't going to they they're not configurable to talk to the to these backend services um and uh the advantage google reader has is it was it was it's ubiquitous um, it was always there. It was always fairly reliable. Occasionally, Google's always been very, very, very good at services. Yeah. That's their bread and butter. It actually That's where has, Apple falls down. Yeah, it actually has been a bit flaky the last couple of months. A couple of times <coughs> when a particular feed, I would get 50. Well, that's one of the reasons that the, the problem that nobody was working on it yeah. at Google. It was a, a service that was running, and then they ran into problems a few weeks ago, and nobody at Google – had been working on it so they all had to dig through old manuals and like oh crap what's going on with this and it was just easier for them just to kill the project than to continue it because they weren't really monetizing it at all and and from a business point of view i don't really have a problem with google saying look we're not going to do this anymore it it, you, you can clearly see it doesn't fit with their core business of advertising and um, if it doesn't monetize and it's costing them money, why should they keep it going? I think the difficulty I have well, there's there's two there's two problems that that kind of cause a reaction for me on this. The first one is that um, 
yes, that thing that because they're so big and they have become so ubiquitous, to just kind of kill it um, with three months' notice is a little bit harsh. It would have been better for Google and I think better for them in terms of how people perceive them if they just said, look, this isn't doing it for us. Um, We either need to change it so we can monetize it um, or we need to wind it down. If we're going to wind it down, then it's going to be gone within a year so that people have time to scale up and build something new. The second problem I had is all the people who were going, RSS is dead. Who uses that anymore? It's only a few tech journalists. Everyone else gets their news off Twitter and Facebook. And it's like, screw you. That is just not true. Yeah. Well, also, if you subscribe to a podcast, like, I don't know, this one, yeah. uh, that's RSS. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's it's, what podcasts are built upon. It's RSS. I just, now, this doesn't hurt podcasts, but it, it does make you stop and think a little bit. Yeah. Well, there's two there's two bits of arrogance in that statement. First of all, is that is that yeah, it's wrong. I don't believe that everybody get only gets their news via Twitter and so other social media sites. I think being able to subscribe to a site and receive their posts is something that's important to an awful lot more people than the average new media idiot who you know lives their life on Twitter and Facebook or whatever or Vine or whatever the latest you know new media jeep you know jeep jaw is you know that they 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 don't see that because they're all about the new and the shiny yeah there's an awful lot of people who do rely on rss and news readers and that sort of thing to get their news the second thing is to go oh we you don't need um google reader anymore you just do it on twitter you just do it on facebook well hang on a minute twitter and facebook you mean free services from big corporations who might have different business interests over time and then, therefore, might decide to kill or change those services, so you can't do what you're doing anymore, like Google just did with Google Reader. It's That's just... my biggest uh, <laughs> issue with the whole yeah. thing, and this is the eye opener for me. And actually, it's not really an eye opener because my eyes were already open to this, which is why I have the at my Mac address and not a Gmail address. I have a Gmail address, yeah. but I actually control my own email address. It's anybody that that writes for my Mac. I offer them a MyMac.com email address because I control it. It's mine. I can move it to a different service if I want to. Yeah. Right? I can even run my own mail server if I really wanted to. But I'm not dependent upon a big company who's, you know, quite honestly, their their business practices may come into question. Yeah. And as a, a journalist, I might want to write about that. And then there's a conflict there. They could just turn me off. But what really opened my eyes to this, more than anything, was Google just launched this new thing called Notes. <laughs> you can put all your notes here. Really? So now I'm going to trust you with all of my note data? Because you've been proving to yourself so well lately that your intentions are pure. There is a Really? Uh, I'm going to trust you with this now? There's, there's a web page I saw uh, yesterday, which basically is a memorial site for all the projects that Google has killed. Oh, it's it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so each one has a has a tombstone, and then you can click on them to leave a memorial flower for the ones you liked. Yeah. <laughs> but I counted the tombstones. There are 42 tombstones on this page of projects that Google <clears throat> set up and then has killed for one reason or another. Well, you could say the same thing about Apple. Let's let's not be let's not just jump on Google here. Apple has been very guilty on the Apple's terrible with services. Right now, iCloud is the big thing. 
is iCloud going to be around in three, four years? I don't know. How about Dot Mac? How about Mobile Me? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that, I mean it's just, it's the same problem. Um, I think I think the difficulty with Google in particular though is they are so dominant. Yeah. Um, and they do everything for free. They, they effectively subsidize it all themselves, which means that people, you know, it does drive people in. You know, I mean, they've big, they've got big drive towards Google Plus now um, that they can continue to do. I, again, you, you look in the context of this and say, well, it's so risky because you could kind of build your entire life around that, and then three years' time, they could decide not, just not to do it anymore. Yeah, and all your content is gone forever. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I want to own my content, uh, and I, mean, I, I mean, want the choice of moving yeah. it around to different services if I want. Now to. that could happen with Twitter, that could happen sure. with Facebook. You know, no, nothing is too big to fail. Who just said five years ago that MySpace would be where it is now? But the point is, is that at least with a single solution service, like say Evernote, for example, which competes with this good new Google Note thing. I mean, uh, storing notes is Evernote's principal business so you would imagine that would be the last thing for them to discontinue doing where the problem with google is that not all these things are effectively side projects and that means they can decide to kill them anytime because their core business is advertising and if it doesn't support advertising then their board can lose interest in it very quickly and that's the real mm-hmm. risk with these google services is that they have very little skin in these games and consequently uh you know they're they can wind them down very quickly as they've demonstrated. Last thing I wanted to talk about, David, uh, in uh, two reasons. Number one, you were talking about using uh, old technology last week. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. And um, I did something yesterday. I had to go do, uh, you know, my job at Mac Specialist isn't to work on computers and stuff like that anymore. Um, but we are opening up a Kalamazoo, Michigan store, and uh, it made the news. Right. And we actually had our first sale to a customer in Kalamazoo. Now, obviously, we sold her everything she bought through our Oak Park, Illinois, Max Specialist store because the one in Kalamazoo is not opening until late summer. But technically, that's our first Michigan customer, right? Mm-hmm. Well, she bought everything. She bought the top-of-the-line 15-inch Retina MacBook Pro, uh, a time capsule, a uh, new keyboard and mouse, an external monitor, a brand new HP AirPlay or AirPrint printer, uh, a brand new iPad. Wow. I mean, she went hog wild, right? Yeah. So um, I live in Michigan, so I said I will do the install for her. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do the whole setup. So I get there to set up, and she's coming off an older uh, 17-inch iMac G5. How do you transfer the information from that old G5 to the new MacBook Pro, David? How would I do that? Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. Firewire. No, it doesn't have Firewire. No, Firewire. The, the, the new machine doesn't have Firewire. You could get... Does not have... You can get a Thunderbolt Firewire adapter, but I don't know. That wouldn't support target disk mode. Even if it did, you got to remember, I'm in Kalamazoo. It's night. Yeah, you have my store's you, not yeah, open. Yeah, if you yet. haven't got it, then you haven't got it. Yeah. Uh, you can do it over Ethernet, but they'll be dog slow. Yep. Um, or you could do Except it. Except for you can't do it over Ethernet because remember, there's no Ethernet port on the 15 inch MacBook Pro. Ah, yes. So uh, the only way 
well the, the way i would probably do that is, is i hope you had a big enough drive somewhere to carbon copy usb yeah carbon copy clone to the drive and then plug that into the macbook pro and uh do a res- migrate the data migrate the data from there yeah yeah unfortunately we didn't have an external hard drive <laughs> Uh, one way I could have done it, I could have, um, well, it doesn't matter. The, the the solution was she didn't have a whole lot to transfer, so she's going to use Dropbox. Right. And it's a an inelegant solution, but it works. So at least she's going to be able to transfer her data. It's going to take a little while, but that's fine. It's just pictures and music, basically. Mm-hmm. She puts it in the Dropbox folder on the iMac. Once it's done syncing, she goes to the MacBook Pro and pulls it down out of her Dropbox folder onto that machine and then repeat ad nauseum. Yeah. So that's how she'll do it. But it got me thinking about a topic that I've covered. I think the first time I really talked about it was on uh, OWC Radio when I was doing that podcast. And it's something that I think a lot of people overlook, and that's keeping on top of migrating your old data. So at one point, what you're using now to back up your data is going to be incompatible with future technology. So you can't wait two or three generations to decide to go back and pull that information. So for instance, right now, if you had stuff on floppy, good luck. Got stuff on zip drive, good luck. If you've got it on an external hard drive, a USB, you're still okay. Well, for how much longer? Even even that depend. I mean, with the, with the a lot of the old Macs, for instance, only had USB one point one ports. Mm-hmm. So trying to use uh, an external hard drive with those, or even a USB key, you can you know you can pick up a sixty four gig USB key for not very much money now, which will do most people's day swaps no problem. But doing it over what USB one point one is painful because it's right. so slow. But it's not just the dirt current data. What about your archival stuff? Yeah. Let's say you're a graphic artist and you got a whole bunch of pictures. Yeah. Right now you've got them all burnt to uh, a zip disk. Now is the time, while you can still go out and buy that technology relatively cheaply, as well as the conversion cables or mm-hmm. what have you, to start transferring that data to a new medium. Yep, definitely. I, th- I think it's right. I've stayed on top of migrating my data, David. Um, cause I recognized this really early on, probably a good eight, eight, nine years ago. And I always kept my archival stuff on a newer piece of, you know, hardware. Yeah. Whether it was a zip disc, then I went from that to a CD ROM. Then I went from CD ROM to DVD. Then I went from DVD to a couple of external hard drives. Yeah. Uh, what took a lot of space back in the day seems smaller and smaller that's, and smaller right, as you yeah. go forward. So, so it's easier yeah. to migrate. Now, I, I mean, my perspective on this, because, you know, I've, I play around a lot with these old machines. I have, you know, I'm looking at my, my dining room table now. I have a, a, a PowerBook G4, uh, 1.67 gigahertz out there, and I also have a PowerBook 1400C, which is obviously a fair bit older. It's about 1997. Yep. So I, I, what I try and do when I'm trying to move stuff between systems is I try and choose... Um, solutions that are cross that not only are cross-platform but also um can be connected cross-generational yeah they can be connected different ways so listen you mentioned zip disk zip's quite good because you can if you go on ebay you can pick up a zip zip drive in either usb 
or Parallel if you want to talk, connect it to an old PC, or SCSI if you want to connect it to an old Mac. So if, you, if you're prepared to make the investment and you've got stuff on Zip, that allows you to connect that Zip disk, you know, put that actual physical disk into drives which can connect to computers multiple different ways, which can get you over some of these problems. The problem with if you've only got a SCSI zip drive is that you won't connect that to anything modern. So then you need to, the different drive. The other thing I do is um, I found is quite good is compact flashcards because yep. they will go into either a USB reader or they will go into a PCMCIA card reader and go into a slot into the side of a laptop. Or if you've got a newer laptop with an express card slot, you can put them in there as well. And so, again, you've got multiple connection options to get them to different machines. Uh, and, of course, Ethernet is always good in that if you've got Ethernet, you can or normally get up on a network somewhere and actually copy stuff via shares and that sort of thing. Though that can be quite tricky depending on a lot of the uh, old Apple share stuff has disappeared from the latest versions of OS X. So they weren't to talk to old Macs very easily. There was one other option for her last night, by the way, is after I set up her time capsule. Yeah. I couldn't set it up on the using the G5, but obviously mm-hmm. I could yeah. once the new machine was connected. Um, I could use that as well. Yeah. I could mount that disc on the G5 and copy it there. Did she have a, a CD burner in the um, in the G5? Yes. Yeah, so she could have burnt stuff to CD as well. All right, but that's going to be extremely uh, and, slow. And, and, then, and then you've got no optical drive on the new machine, have you? Well, she bought us the external super drive, right, so okay. that was good. But that's going to cost money because each disc she burns, she can only use once, and then that's just you're flushing it away at that point. That's right, yeah. But it's it's a it's a problem I think a lot of people have, and they don't even realize it yet. You have to plan for your future migration. If you've got old stuff, get it transferred now. Don't wait. Because eventually it's going to it's going to be cost prohibitive for you to do it. Uh, well, not only that as well. Even if you have, so suppose you use Zip um, or, you know, some people used to use tape drives. Yeah. If you have one old one of those uh, and you've got stuff backed up on there and you decide one day to try and recover it, even if you've got kept the old drive, there's no guarantee that when you put the thing in, it's going to work. It's been right. sat on a shelf for five years. Well, you know, usually all my important stuff, David, I keep it in on two different mediums. Usually one is on CD or DVD because that's still fairly safe. And the other one is uh, a raw hard drive that I use in my Voyager. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I just keep the, you know, I keep two copies of it on hard drive, yeah. one in a drawer and the one that I'm using. But yeah, you know, it's your tech, it's your data, it's your files, it's your old pictures, whatever it is. Um, if you don't want to lose it, continuously migrate it. Yeah. Make sure that you have access to it on the newer machines because eventually you're not going to if you don't. There's a guy a guy on a, a mailing list that I belong to who has a whole load of Clarisworks files from a Mac uh-huh. Plus. So yep. he has them on 800K floppy. And uh, he, he posted a thing saying, oh, I really need to move this stuff on now. <laughs> you know, don't think that <laughs> I, I, I'm going to need to try whether the Mac Plus will even fire up, but how can I convert it? And um, we basically, the only solution we came down to at the end of the day is send it to some of us who still have old Macs with floppy drives in. We probably can read it for you. And then, you know, because that's a physical problem. And then there's a, a software problem as well, which is convert it out of the format it's in. To, yeah, that's to a big something. problem. We've had. I've had customers bring in old uh, floppy disks with their college theses from the mid '90s, and they're like, "How do I? I would I'd love to be able to read this again, but yeah. I can't even use the disk, and I think I wrote it in WordPerfect. So yeah. how do I get this off of here?" Now, 
at Mac Specialist, we have a machine we call the Rosetta Stone, <laughs> which yeah. is a G3, a beige G3. So the very first generation yeah. beige G3, which has a floppy disk, and it has a built-in zip disk, and it has a CD. Yeah. And it's got a bunch of old software loaded up on it. So we simply open it up in the old software, copy it, go to Google Docs, and paste it in. Yeah. Boom. Done. But, you know, that that's the problem. You haven't got a bridge machine. I mean, floppy is a real issue with uh, because, for instance... They fail mo- a well, lot. Not only do they fail, but modern... You, you might think, oh, I'll just plug a USB floppy drive into my Mac. That won't work. Because if nope. it's written on the, um, on the older um, Mac floppies, they weren't PC compatible. They actually changed speed as they moved over the head. So and PC drives can't do that. So they 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 they're just physically not compatible. Even though they'll go in the drive, the drive will never be able to read them. So you need to have a Mac floppy drive from an older Mac to be able to read a uh, like an 800k floppy if you want to be able to save it out. Well, my wife is texting me asking if I'm done because she'd like to bring the children home. So um, <clears throat> you don't want her stood you know, out if you outside I, the window I parking. Absolutely don't. No. <laughs> No, it's much worse than the dogs. Um, but yeah, it's, now is the time to move your data. Uh, don't wait, get it done. And if you run into problems, you can't figure it out. David and I are here. We are happy to help, and I'm sure Absolutely. we can come up with a solution for you. Yep. Again, Tim at mymac.com and uh, and David Cohen at mymac.com. <laughs> David, my friend, I'll see you next week. Speak to you then. 